Okay, hello and uh, welcome to this week's TES podcast. I'm Martin George and I'm joined by Ed Doyle. Hi, Ed. Hello, hello. Will Hazel. Hi, Will. Hello. And Kate Parker. Hi, Kate. Hello. Um, let's kick off um, with the International Baccalaureate um, because, Will, you've had some really interesting figures showing the the fate of this sort of really interesting qualification. Tell yes. us what, what's been going on with I'm it. I'm sure most of our listeners will be aware of the IB, um, but for those who, who perhaps aren't aware of the exact details, it's obviously an alternative course um, which uh, students can take um, from kind of 16 and onwards, so it's sort of alternative to the uh, A-levels, um, and you, you take six different subjects I think you also do an extended essay and you have to do some community work as well. So it's a kind of broader curriculum. Um, and it's been around for 50 years now. Uh, so it's a, a well-established qualification. It's obviously very well-established across the world. Mm. Um, but it's not doing so well in, in the UK. Um, and we've got some new figures um, which um, we reported on the website today that basically um, the number of schools providing uh, the IB has halved since um, 2008. It's not all doom, doom and gloom because the number of pupils has increased. Um, but yes, it, it's sort of halved since that kind of this sort of high watermark in the sort of 2000s. Um, and what's interesting, I think, is that Lord Willits, who was obviously a Conservative Universities Minister, mm. He was uh, speaking at an event which I went to, um, and he's a very big fan of the IB, and he kind of laid the blame for this decline in the popularity of the subject at a few people's doors, but perhaps most interestingly, Michael Gove. His old boss? His, oh, well, he wasn't quite his old boss, because I think at that stage, universities... Oh, so under part of business. business and Vince Cable was his boss. Yeah, ah. exactly. <laughs> but I, I, as sort of a universities minister, and mm. obviously he has claimed that basically one of the reasons why it's gone backwards is because Michael Gove, he, he says, disapproved of the IB. And he had this quite very strong quote, actually, where he sort of suggested that Michael Gove didn't like it because he thought he saw it as a kind of rootless cosmopolitan education which wasn't <laughs> grounded in um, the sort of history of um, uh, the kind of British educational system and our kind of canonical body of knowledge yeah. um, and he also in- suggested that Michael Gove perhaps didn't like you know, terms like international um, <laughs> and didn't, you know, he wanted a kind of British qualification mm. um, but he also, Lord Willits also said that the Treasury didn't like the IB and doesn't like the IB and he said that the Treasury basically just wants to narrow the curriculum as soon as possible because it's cheaper mm-hmm. um, It's a thing we might come back to again today Yes indeed yeah. and, and then the third thing which he said has really hamstrung the IB is universities and he said that universities are obviously kind of the gatekeepers um, you know for people who are sort of uh, many young people who are leaving school and he thinks the university academics who control the admissions process basically just want they're the students who are coming to their universities to specialise in the subjects which, which they're teaching because it makes their lives easier. Um, so he suggested all these things are kind of conspired against the, the IB. All come together. There was a time, and you kind of allude to it, I guess in the mid-late um, noughties, when, when it was the sort of the great white hope. Mm. You know, it, yeah, it, was, it was the coming yeah. thing. Um, I guess it doesn't come as a huge surprise to hear that it's declined, but the extent to which it's declined mm. is quite... Um, yeah. quite striking um, and the reasons are interesting I'd certainly 
never heard about the Treasury, although it makes perfect sense, especially with cuts to sick form being so profound now. Yeah. Um, but the Gove lines are, 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 for want of a better word, slightly amusing, aren't they? Yes, uh, and very kind of quite kind of strong quotes, really. Um, but it was interesting. I mean, I asked Lord Willits about, you know, uh, Lord Willits um, actually is a, a real critic of our current kind of A-level system where you do three subjects. He said, well, but, you know, some people do four, but most people do three. Mm. He said it's ridiculous, it's absurd that um, you have such a narrowing at 16. Um, and he thinks we should have a much kind of broader curriculum at that stage. And I asked him, what's your solution? Do you want to have another shake-up of the exam system, you know, create a new equivalent to A-levels? And he said, for, for obvious reasons, no. Mm. And, you know, there's no will for that. But he, he wants to take the A-level brand and actually try and broaden it and he wants he said he the future is perhaps a kind of a five a system where we do five a levels or maybe even six a levels i'm not entirely sure how you get from here to there yeah but it's certainly an interesting idea i can, I can imagine heads all around the country saying <laughs> lovely idea not now not, not yeah. now baby maybe yeah. not now absolutely um another thing that's come up this week is um special educational needs and the experiences of pupils and linking back to funding a lot it's actually like two or three different things all came together, and it's the week before the budget. And we've actually seen send and send funding hit the mainstream press a bit this week, which is something to be celebrated. Quite unusual. It really, is, yeah. it is, because it, it matters. Um, so we had a petition. I think thirty-eight thousand people signed a petition that was handed into the DfE, you know, asking for an urgent increase in funding um, in Monday's budget. Um, but I thought, more interestingly, the uh, select committee this week heard from some mm -hmm. experts on send, and they said. Um, their experience is that councils are delaying giving children education, health and care plans. They're stringing the process out, they say, to save money, um, to push it into the next financial year, perhaps. And then we heard one MP saying, well, those delays mean I've got constituents who say their kids are self-harming because yeah. of the delays in getting support they need. And that's the council side. The school side, you know, saying that some head teachers have an incentive to exclude or off-roll send kids again because then the cost is they've got high needs that is passed on to the local authority rather than the school yes which is something we touched upon last week about um off-rolling as well yeah. oh no not not off-rolling actually but uh, permanent exclusions as opposed to temporary exclusions yeah that the cost uh, is passed on to the la yeah i mean the state of funding for SEN is awful i mean it is one of those areas where if you if you look at the way the government talk about funding and how they're being, for want of a better word, disingenuous. It's one of those areas that's been cut that they took that they don't talk about when mm. they talk about core education funding. Um, a bit like all the local authority support stuff that goes hand in hand, of course. Of course. Um, but uh, I think it's probably no exaggeration to say the cuts in this area are, are so serious that it's really endangering the idea of inclusion. Mm. I mean, the, qu the flip side, of course, is that special schools are hideously expensive as well. But, I mean, it, it's really, really hard. It's really hard out there for people who care about SEN. Yeah. Now, of course, Monday, it's budget day. Yeah. Um, hands up if you think we're going to see dollops of cash given to schools. Right, <laughs> listeners, listeners, you won't have seen That's this, listeners. Radio, that is classic radio. Not a single hand went up in the studio, let me tell you. It's quite interesting that I think I possibly mentioned this last week, but... Um, I think it's usually traditional to have the budget on a Wednesday. 
Halloween. Of course, it's, <laughs> it's Halloween this year, so they've actually moved the <laughs> date for that reason. But I think it's um, it seems hard to believe that there's going to be any kind of rabbits out of the hat for for education. I think there's probably more hopes we had in the comprehensive spending review of next year. I was going to say that it's almost overshadowed a bit, isn't it, by that there's a, a longer term spending plan being worked on, and what's happening now is. Yeah. It's a one-year thing, really, isn't it? I mean, which is easy to say when you're sitting in a little studio in London. Yeah. But, you know, as Askell um, and specifically Jeff Barton point out in a piece that we're publishing this very afternoon, mm. um, cuts are so... God, this sounds so depressing, doesn't it? Etienne cuts and now other yeah. Cuts are biting so deep, especially with this being quite close to the beginning of the academic year, that schools can't wait for next year. You know, they need, they need to, see, to see money now. Yeah. Not, not, not in the sort of never, never of a CSR. Yeah. Um, and they, they're, they're publishing or in the process of publishing six tests. Do they all involve more money? Yeah. Yeah. Number one, um, more money. Number two, more money. <laughs> number three. No, I mean, there's some quite interesting things in there as well as well, more money would be really interesting, of course. Um, but they specifically ask for uh, uh, a five-year funding plan. Mm. which would be very welcome, I think. Yep. Create a bit of stability in the system. If Theresa May is right about the so-called end of austerity from her conference speech, then that shouldn't be beyond, uh, you know, uh, possible. Uh, other sensible things, uh, like uh, high needs early years and post-16 funding being better, uh, better balanced with normal funding. Uh, and I suppose one which would get a cheer from all our listeners out there is all pay rises fully implemented yeah. and fully funded, fully funded which takes course. us back to the story of earlier this summer that we banged on about endlessly, <laughs> which was the will they or, will they or won't they um, pay for and implement the full STRB recommendations. Yeah. Um, but it would be good. I mean, that would be a really great ge- great gesture, I think. Yeah, although I think this week the government actually published its final allocations for the teacher pay grant, and it, it, it I mean, we actually heard from Askell that some schools are losing out quite significantly. You know, they're, yeah. not, they're not getting the money that the government says they need to put on the pay rise. Be a hell of a hell of a rabbit out of the hat, though, if they did that. It would be a pretty amazing, I think. Yeah, they I mean, they? I mean, the signs are <laughs> well, the signs are behind the scenes. I think Damien Hines is pushing for more funding for schools, more funding yeah. for colleges, and all these things, um, but. I think it's fairly well acknowledged that health is is higher up the queue when it comes to the government overall. Isn't it always? Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> it is. Um, so that's doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's half term. It's a week of well, joy and happiness. Finished for most, but or just starting for some. Just starting. Okay. Kate, tell us something nice. Ah, oh, okay. So um, I think people, education people of Twitter will have seen at the beginning of the week, um, especially on Monday, there was a lot of talk about silent corridors yep. um, and a lot of talk about bad pupil behaviour. But luckily, out of that um, came a really, really nice thread um, from a teacher called Ruth Swales. I think that's how you say her name. Um, and she asked people what the their fondest memories of children being kind to each other was. And it's really, really so, nice, you know, genuinely heartwarming stuff there, isn't Yeah, it? there is. So, for example, I think my favourite is the story of... So one child made cards for everyone else in the class, telling them that they were amazing and putting a little um, personalised verse in each one. Wow. Um, and she also, the child also did one for the TA and the teacher. <laughs> so obviously that's, you know, 
lovely. Um, stories of um, year six boys stopping their football games so that year one children can have shots of the goal because they're worried about them being knocked over by other children. No. Um, there was, I don't know, um, I think it was the marathon this year, but a kind of marathon-esque story about a sports day and a child who um, fell over in his sack and another child who helped him up and they ran to the end of the line together. <laughs> so that's nice. So yeah, there's there's a lot of really lovely stories on there and yeah. I think it's important to remind ourselves actually kids can be pretty yeah. pretty cute and pretty lovely and generous to each other. There's also probably a lesson here for, for management perhaps, Ed, Deputy Editor. Um, <laughs> some kids who went around uh, giving... There's the da- dandelion ones. Yeah. So... Um, uh, Where early years is this children. Going? Where is this going? Oh, let me find it. End up it with you dancing really with a robot cute. or something. <laughs> oh, God, uh, yeah, I think that would do wonders for all of our um, <laughs> well being in the office. So, this one was the most um, adorable kindness I've seen from early years is through dandelions. When one would upset or cause an issue, they would go and pick some dandelions and bring them to the other kids and say they're sorry. So I expect a dandelion so. on every desk on Monday. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's such a lovely, cutesy environment, aren't you? <laughs> I'll leave it there and let you enjoy your own conclusions, listeners. Um, (laughs) We'll um, see you next week. Thanks for listening.